Do, do, do. Hey there, everyone. Welcome to Locked On Cavs. I'm Chris Manning. He's Evan Damerell. Uh, we got a new little looking clean little background here. Shouts to our, our friend and new father, Doug Branson. Congratulations to Doug. I, I feel lied to just first and foremost. I never knew Doug's actual name was Robert. And it just I, feels really misled. I was curious because he said he had a LaMelo ball NBA jam shirt on. So I zoomed in to see if it was. And then I read his name tag and it said Robert Branson on it. So Robert Douglas Branson, if that's his real name, sounds like a civil war general and like for the, for the, for the union, of course, and just a cool name, but yeah, congrats to Doug big ups on him and his family. Uh, we're going to dive into the show. We're going to talk about preseason stuff. We're going to talk, take your questions. We're going to talk about Evan Mobley. We're going to talk about, I guess, like Ben Simmons or whatever. Like, I, we got a lot of stuff we could talk about. I don't really want to talk about Ben Simmons anymore. But people are tweeting about it. So if you want to ask about it, go ahead, I guess. But Evan, let's play a little intro video and uh, we'll dive in. You are locked on Cavs, your daily Cleveland Cavaliers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Evan, uh, we've, we have not talked due to some stuff. We're not going to pull the curtain back too much, but you're away. Um, I just had stuff going on. So we are, we have not recorded in a couple of days. We're back. Um, by our standards, I haven't talked to you as much as I normally feel like I do. So how are you? I'm good, man. I, I was, I was in the wonderful cream city of Milwaukee, the city of champions. I saw the house that Giannis built at Pfizer forum. Um, saw a lot of things, had a lot of old fashions, lost my wallet, didn't pack the right dress shirt for a wedding. It was an eventful, eventful weekend for me. I'm a little cooked. I got home around Midnightish last night, got back to my place around 2 a.m. after picking up a uh, Finnegan who is not in the shot because he's a little, a little mad at me because I sprayed him while I was cooking tonight. Um, just don't want him to burn his little paws, you know. But uh, all things considered, I'm good, man. Yeah, we haven't talked since Sora was revealed for Smash, so it really has been a while. It's been an eventful week for me. But how are you, all things considered? Hanging, I, I am hanging. Um, are, are you getting are you getting caught up in the dumbass discourse online and feeling the need to express your opinion, or are you just vibing like me? Well, you you know, and Evan Mobley highlight reels. Keep it loose, baby. Uh, let's talk about uh, where do you want to start? I guess do you want to talk about? I mean, the preseason results to me like don't matter that much if we're being if we're keeping it you know one hundred here. Um, I like they they don't really matter like you you know after the game without Garland without Sexton which resulted in like a, a starting lineup I would be like they're not going to play if they have their options and their and their injuries and everyone available to them this year. Oh Chris, um, you you sweet summer child. It's it's October and I know it's hot out so you are a summer child. But I very much think Larry Marketing could start at the three for the Cavs because that's how weird this team can get sometimes. All right, I just let's just let's just do this because yeah, let's I, start with I, this. I, let's get let's let's. Bang! Let's knock it out of the park okay. early. Here, I'm gonna I'm gonna lump Dean Wade into this too because 
Um, I Looks like you're waving a knife around instead of a pen. So easy there. Well, you already accused me of having a problematic flag behind me when I'm just representing my favorite democratic socialist sweet uh, republic in Scandinavia. So I don't know why you're accosting me. Typical Bernie bro getting combative online. Yeah, you know me, Evan. Love to argue on the internet. Um, love to do it. Um, the only good time on the internet was seeing the kid from uh, Jojo Rabbit in the Home Alone trailer, and that, that's all that matters. Um, so, real quick, we, I keep getting sidetracked, but yeah, that movie isn't necessary. I know it's a spiritual successor, but it isn't necessary at the end of the day either. Like, let's be frank. It's like the John Favreau Evan. Lion King. Uh, five seconds. They're unnecessary. Disney keeps these films in a vault. I saw Same. Beauty and the Beast as a child of my cousin Megan because it was for her birthday. Okay, we're. I would. I'm cutting you off. As we're a seven year old boy, I would not be seen dead at Beauty and the Beast, but I went to go see it. They digitally remastered it and re release it in theaters. Why doesn't Disney just keep doing that? That's my thought process. That's my short rant on it. It actually makes me viscerally angry when I see they're making the remaking my childhood movies because. It's just not right. It's just not right, Chris. But yeah, let's talk. Let's, okay. l- let's lump Dean Wade into this. Here, Dean Wade said, here, he said he's practicing playing the three through the five. In, in camp. Okay, so here, here's just here, here's just like my question about this. I understand if you're like, we need to put as much shooting on the floor as we possibly can. I can understand if you want to say in special circumstances, because we have Evan Mobley and Jared Allen, we believe that we can squeeze another big on the floor here that provides us with a thing that we need. This is a weird roster. You maybe have to get creative with it and figure it out. I don't exactly, you know, I, I'm willing to hear those arguments. If we're saying on our face value that Dean Wade, who is like an okay cutter, who can, who can pop from three and do that stuff, and Lowry, who can who can pop from three, and that's kind of his main offensive utility, like can't post up, all that stuff. Them playing three is putting so much defensive pressure on Mobley and Allen, in my opinion. And they cannot defend perimeter players. That's the other part of this. Dean Wade defending a normal, typical NBA three, like that most teams are going to throw at you on a given night, is you're asking for that for that guy to smoke Dean Wade. Dean Wade can, like, I think defend fours okay. Threes that are smaller, quicker, that's a lot to ask. Lowry, I, I don't want to see him defending threes. That is a that is putting so much pressure and probably setting your guys up for, for not for success. Like, I, I just, I understand it from, like, an offensive, like, we need to squeeze shooting and make these lineups work kind of thing. It's one of the reasons, like, this Cavs roster is weird. I'm willing to understand, to acknowledge that, like, there are going to be weird solutions for us to see how J.B. Bakersheff does things and how they decide to problem solve this year. I think that is, like, an acceptable thing to just, that that's a blanket truth, I think, about this Cavs team. I don't really buy guys playing, saying, like, guys that are actually fours playing the three because I don't think either of those guys are capable of like defending actual wings on the perimeter. And I think you're putting so, and unless you're playing Mobley with Allen, like, like if, if they roll out like, like, like Lowry love Allen or like Wade Mobley love, whatever, like any of these different combos we might see, I think those are like, that's putting so much pressure on one big, you know, they only make sense to me if you're playing two of those guys together. If it's just one of them, I it even it doesn't make any sense to me in terms of like having a defensive structure on your roster. Well, and there's like another Isaac Cora point. Well, I think I need to I we, we should probably talk through as well later in the show. But with like the Lowry Dean Wade of the three stuff, 
I can understand if you think they're a better player in a vacuum for your ninth or tenth spot than Jetty, than Lamar, than whomever. I can see how you get there with Dean, and Lowry is going to be part of the rotation. If you want to play your best guy as much as possible, I can see how you get there. I just don't think it's actually like – it doesn't make sense to me in terms of like how I tend to think J.B. Baker's stuff weighs and how you're going to set up this team for success in my mind. Yeah, it's tough. Um, I, ooh, I actually big li- ooh, big lineup. Ooh, yeah, or the big ass lineup. I don't know. Uh, Chris, Chris is no fun. We should we should leave no, with that I person. Am, I am I am fun. I am just a pragmatist who is just like gonna gonna just like my brain works in a very specific way where I'm going to just like critique the things that I'm interested in and try to have fun with it. And if I still like your much, it's because like in another life, I was probably like a really annoying college English professor. You think so? Are you going to get real? You're not going to get real weird with it. Like Danny DeVito and all sunny and smoke this bone because I've been, even though I was on vacation and you told me to take time off and relax, I was literally going to message your you're much better half of me. Like, get take Evan's phone away. And I know I pissed off a lot of Browns fans, but unbeknownst to some, that was more so about Dak Prescott, Prescott being healthy for the Cowboys versus not being healthy for the Cowboys because I had to watch the Cowboys game on Sunday because they weren't showing the Browns in Milwaukee. Um, I've actually been thinking about lottery marketing into the three in these scenarios a lot too. I agree. I don't think it should be the regular starting lineup for the Cavs. I think people are putting the cart in front of the horse, throwing the baby out for, in front, instead of the bathwater, whatever way you want to spin it here. Um, but I think it's a wrinkle the Cavs could approach. And I think you and I are on the same page on this where it, it's just not functional on a night to night basis. Because if you put lottery marketing against, let's say, a LeBron James or like a Kevin Durant. And I know Kevin Durant plays technically okay, before for the okay, Nets. But, but, even, like, but let's even let's even lower the bar. Let's like lower the bar to like non like elite players. I don't want. I don't think Lowry can defend like Terrence Mann. No, Lowry, Lowry does not have the lateral defend, quickness like, to defend the perimeter. That's that or is like, the or like TJ that, Warren or like that's that's DeMar the difference. DeRozan. That's what the Cavs lost when they traded Larry Nance Jr. You could throw Larry Nance Jr. in at the three because at least he p- possesses the strength, athleticism, and some lateral quickness in order to stay in front of his opposition when defending him. Um, Larry Markin just does not possess those things. I know he has looked better in Cleveland. I think it's. I think it's funny these not so thinly veiled shots Denzel Valentine and somewhat Larry are making at the Bulls. But just, like, really, you know, but really Denzel, Denzel just like put it in the work on on off to the side. My man really has played just... like thirty <laughs> seconds in the preseason, but he is like the hype man for the Cavs yeah. every time they play the Bulls. I I, I enjoy yeah. it. He's going to be on this roster. Uh, he went to Michigan State, as JB Bickerstaff said. So thumbs up there. But um. JB just padding, padding that job security just a little bit. I know, man, but it, it's just really tough because it's hard to figure out what the Cavs are doing with their fantasy, their lineups, especially from a fantasy aspect. And Chris, you know who's revolutionized fantasy basketball? Our friends at Sleeper. In 2018, the fantasy sports experts at Sleeper realized that fantasy basketball was broken. Games were being won and lost based on whose players had more scheduled games that week. It made no sense and required very little strategy. So... In 2020, Sleeper released a brand new way of playing fantasy basketball, and it's called Game Pick, and it's only available on Sleeper. In Game Pick, owners pick a single game per week for each started account towards their team's total score, ensuring an even number of games played between opponents. 
The day of losing because your opponent's players simply had more scheduled games to play in that week are over. The day of mindless daily busy work are over. The days of giving up halfway through the season because of that busy work also over. In game picks, you pick one game per week for each player based on player matchups, home versus away, opponent's defensive ranking, pace of play, and more. All that adds up to more strategy and less busy work. Whether you prefer redraft, keeper, or dynasty, game pick has you covered. Sleeper crack the fantasy basketball code. If you play with fantasy football or if you prefer building out a weekly strategy versus daily busy work, you're going to love game picks. Download the Sleeper app and start a league with your friends today. You will not be disappointed. Also got to tell you about our friends at DirecTV. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you get to the game live. Another lets you stream your favorite shows and you're watching sport highlights on your phone and you've got your neighbor's best friends login for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called DirecTV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before. So you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at DirecTV.com. That's DirecTV.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. Evan, any other thoughts on... Uh, oh, no, I haven't even given my thoughts yet. I've been thinking about this oh, okay. lineup a lot, up. honestly. Yeah, I was warming up here, and I realized we were getting short on time for an ad break. So, you know, just got to work it in a little bit. But, yeah, I don't think this is a conventional starting lineup for the Cavs. Isaac Okoro goes completely ice cold. He at least provides you perimeter defense and, you know, good, the defensive good potential in, between. I'm giving you credit for that. I'm giving you credit for that pun. Oh, I didn't even know it was a pun. I was being serious because, like, he's been... But, well, you, but eh, his nickname's Ice, and you said yeah. Ice. I, I, my pun was better when I said he iced his hometown Hawks the other day. I was more proud of that one. But Isaac, the defensive versatility in J.B. Vickerstaff is a defensive-minded coach. And let me lead into this as well. J.B. Vickerstaff and his staff, I hate saying that, but it's how I type it out sometimes. Um, they always lead in and define positions based on how they can defend players. So he views Dean Wade as a three through five who can also defend twos, which kind of made me raise an eyebrow. I'm surprised more people didn't run with that. But Isaac Okoro has the strength and lateral quickness to defend threes on a night to night basis that Larry Markman cannot. But this lineup does make sense if you're trying to provide spacing around Okoro and Mobley if they're both on the floor at the same time. So let's say you have Garland at the one, Okoro at the two, Markin at the three, Mobley at the four, Allen at the five. Or if you really want to go cr- crazy with it, you put Love at the four and Mobley at the five, and you kind of just flip-flop those two. You provide a ton of theoretical gravity and spacing that allows Mobley to have more comfort in the paint and maybe you know extend his shot a little bit too, just because you could work with it, get weird with it too. And it also gives Garland a lot of options too on driving kicks as well. You can even put Sexton in that Garland spot too if you believe Colin's vision is really going to be fluctuating in those scenarios, I think it's just more of an offensive wrinkle for the Cavs. I just don't think it's something you can reliably stick on to a night to night basis. Um, I think the Cavs, you know, thumbing their nose at the conventional moments of playing small ball, even though small ball is a situational thing too. I know some teams like to play it, like the Suns employ it really well with Jay Crowder at the four, but it depends on matchups too. That's more of a playoff scenario thing. And the Cavs aren't sniffing playoffs. Um, I just think more so the Cavs, ignoring their wing depth issues and banking on Okoro, Valentine, Osmond, and Windler being that four, some at the three. Uh, it gives me pause. 
So uh, that's just kind of where I'm at. I, yeah, sure. If you want to put Mark at the three, if you need to find minutes for these guys, cause you have so, too many bigs on your roster and you know, if taco fall gets that two way contract, they're going to have a lot of bigs on the roster. Um, I'm just, I don't know. I, I don't hate it. I don't think it's unfun. I think there's sacrifices you made defensively after getting rid of Larry Nance Jr. But offensively, in theory at least, and we've seen it work for a little bit, it's a shot in the arm. And it's also preseason, so like these numbers Lowry has right now could not be sustainable as well. Like if we actually oh, watch teams play defense yeah, against yeah. him, we could watch a huge nosedive as well. And this could blow up in the Cavs' face in spectacular fashion because there's still plenty of footage of the Cavs playing three big lineups over the last two years at this point. So I think teams are going to be somewhat prepared for JB to throw this wrinkle out there at them. Yeah. Well, the other thing I, I think this is a good transition point for Okoro is like, I also think there's some low hanging fruit. The Cavs have not really, they haven't done consistently. They didn't do it last year at all, really. And they've done a little bit of them in the preseason to their credit. But I think there is definitely some low hanging fruit with Okoro to solve some of the issues and work around some of the issues we're seeing. Like the Bulls game is a really good example. Of like you're seeing the the Bulls were taking like whoever's on a core, and that guy is like helping extremely off a core. The Cavs are gonna ha- and the Cavs at times like didn't pass to a core when he would be the lo- kind of the open pass as the open three point shooter. That you know maybe that's just a one off thing. We'll see if that holds up as a trend. The thing that I think is just sort of, I I think like if you're worried about your offense, I think the the better way to sort of like fix this is not like play weird lineups that put you at other disadvantages. It is let's get Isaac Okoro in positions of strength. I think it is problem solving with the guys that you think are good. I obviously Isaac is going to have to shoot better than the 29% he did on three pointers last year and get up to like league average. Hopefully at some point, if he's going to hit a version of his ceiling, it's just unavoidable that that is just a place he's going to have to get to. If he wants to be, a really good player, even on a really good team like Philadelphia. Like, look at Matisse Tybel. Maybe the best one-on-one perimeter defender in the league right now. Like, an incredible defensive player. Isaac is, like, that same type of archetype where it's, like, clearly an incredible defender. A lot of other gifts. Has some stuff to figure out. We The wrinkles you can do with Isaac to make some of this easier is, number one, he needs to move off ball. He can't just stand there. He, and then by extension, Lamar Stevens, it, the, some of this stuff applies to him as well. It is cut him into space. If if you have, if you are, if he is off ball and, the, and you're running a pick and roll on the other side or you're doing something on the other side of the floor, at, Isaac can time cut. Some of them will be instinctual. Some of them will be planned. He needs to cut into that space and make the defense reactive. He is so quick on that initial cut. He is so strong when he gets up to the rim. That is a punishing way to make defenses have to take advantage of him and keep things moving and maybe respace things out if they're if they get really worried about cuts. The other part of it is you can do you need to set up your offense in creative ways. One of the things they've done in preseason is when they've had Evan Mobley and they've they're try you can see them trying to do this with Jared Allen, but Jared's not quite as comfortable with it. Mobley is just going to be a really talented creator. Mobley gets the ball in the high post. You have cutting around him. You have cutting around him. And when if you have a Coro, maybe he gives the initial feed in. Maybe he comes in from a, another way, another situation. He cuts around Mobley, gets the handoff, gets a pass after he's already cut through. He can get dunks. The other thing you can do is you can have him have him set pin down screens for the guys you want popping to, to the outside. You want him being a guy that can maybe he's going to run down. He's going to set the screen to free up the other guard. So if, if it's him, Sexton, Garland, Garland goes the ball. Have Okoro set the pin down. 
get Sexton up and he can he can pop to the rim. He can space out to the corner. There are things you can do, I think, that are structurally like allow you to play lineups that actually make sense and like get Okoro in spots to kind of be interesting ish in offense. It does not remove the fact that he is like a, a real concern as a three point shooter. But there are things you can do to really massage some of this stuff. And it's low hanging fruit. This isn't complicated. This is just like mm-hmm. like evolve the offense in a way. And there there are signs of doing it. To be honest with you, the only thing I've taken away from the preseason that I feel like has stuck with me is that I, the offense has like once it has not just played fast and has actually settled into something. To be honest, Evan, it looks to me like JB Bickerstaff has actually pushed it in a different way. Him and the staff have pushed it in a different way than it was last year. And like that is if you're looking at like qualities that would make you think JB like can have some success with this group, that that's a check mark for me. That's a positive for me. And we need to see if it sustains into the regular season once they kind of navigate some of the choppy waters and, and navigate some of the growing pains that are inevitable. Does it concern you at all that I, I know for us, especially you, Isaac Okoro is one of your more interesting players. Besides, I mean, like for me, it's Evan Mobley, I think by and far than probably dare, how Darius Garland pops with all this added, I want to say pressure with a lot of folks in the organization vocally saying like they expect him to be a leader. And then you and I have the impression that this is his team to kind of take the reins for. Um, I'm going to circle back to real quick to Zach Lowe's uh, league pass power rankings. And he has the Cavs super low and not really much mentioned of Isaac Okoro. He did mention the new court, which um, that slogan at the below on the center court ribbon could really be used for a uh, uh, thrown in the Cavs face. Like, I don't know if that'll last very long or they switch it up, but um does it concern you at all that like on a national level, like not a lot of people are talking about Isaac, like maybe if like you're a real nitty gritty basketball podcast, sure. But like, you don't really hear Zach Lowe, like clamoring about Isaac Okoro. And like, maybe I was hanging out with Ty Winters too much over the weekend, but what, what is the difference? What, what, what makes Isaac Okoro not like Josh Okogi with a little bit more dras- passing and dribbling because yeah, he's in a good place to learn how to have an impact on the offense without volume because he has two ball dominant guards that dribble out the air out of the ball. But because of those ball dominant guards, there's no chance for him to put up any volume of shots either. Like, are you, I don't know, like give me the pitch here. Like, are you concerned that no one really seems to care about Isaac Okoro? Like, I think if you asked a lot of Cavs fans, they'd be comfortable phasing him out of the lineup because of this marketing hype. They're, they're high. They're absolutely high. If you think that, that, I, I'm willing to think. Let's take a break. But you're you're absolutely like out of your gore if you think that Okoro is worth like benching. At least you don't right think now. I Thank am. You. Never me. Yeah, sometimes, sometimes. Anyway, got to tell everyone about our friends at Built Bar. Look, Evan, Built Bar, as you know, has so many delicious flavors. There's something for everyone. If you don't know the Built Bar flavors, I'm you're missing out. There's coconut, mint brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, and a whole bunch more, including Evan's favorite cookies and cream. If you haven't tried all the flavors, you can get a mixed box or get two of each of the nine flavors. Not only are Built Bars the best tasting protein bars, but they're healthy too. They have 17 to 18 grams of protein, calories ranging from 130 to 180, 4 to 5 grams of sugar, and 4 to 5 grams of net carbs. I'm now looking at this screen. What, 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 color, what kind of Built Bar are you ripping out right now, buddy? Cookie dough chunk, Bobby. Oh, hell yeah. Look, order today. If they have cookie dough chunk, order that. But cookies and cream mint brownie, and a whole bunch more. Bill Bar is also the official protein bar of the United States track and field team. 
So go to Built.com and use promo code LOCK15. You'll get 15% off your order. Again, promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. So, okay. Here's my thing on Okoro. I think I, I, some people have been like, oh, like his defense is out is just average. It's overhyped. His defense is just outrageous, okay? Isaac Okoro's defense is like among the most promising wing defenders that exist in the league. He is strong as heck. He can defend a bunch of positions. He locks down guards. He's a little jumpy. He's a little like gonna like bite on pump fake sometimes, where like you want him to stay grounded and, and use his hands and maybe generate some more steals and stuff. There's room to grow for sure. He's potentially so good on defense that like it elevates him above Josh Okogie with better PR. Okay. Like I think Isaac <laughs> has like Ty who is okay, Ty. Ty is the homer Ty. Sorry, I had myself muted. I didn't want people listening to me chomp on a bill bar for like 30 seconds because I took a decent bite out of that some bitch. So there it is. Yeah, this is the mic punch. Isaac. Okay, I'm just going to point this out. People will like say like, oh, Zach Levine, not muscle core. That's not a good sign. Number one, Zach Levine, one of the very best scorers in the league. He's an all-star. All-star caliber player. Number two. I don't think people understand often or realize how hard individual defense is in the NBA in 2021. It is like really freaking hard to be a successful defender in the league. You can't hand check your, your ability to like be physical is like kind of limited guys are more skilled than ever before. Um, the rules are again, very tilted towards you're playing in more space. Like you are having to, it is so hard to be a really good defender. You're going to get scored on. Part of the thing is like you're going to get scored on. Two of the, one of the things I love about Okoro, and it's something I also love about Jared Allen. Jared Allen got yammed on by John Collins the other night. He does not care, and I just went out. Uh, but people can still hear me. We'll figure out. I will figure out what just happened. Um, but we can um, still hear you, Chris. You're just yeah, we can still make Yeah, yeah. So like he gets dunked on, and it he doesn't care. It like does not matter to him that he gets dunked on. I think it's scored on. He may have like a reaction where if he gets a foul or like kind of reacts like a quick reaction to it being like, that's annoying. But guess what? The next possession, he's right back in locked in. The short-term memory on these guys is really, to me, really, really impressive. And I just think he's a guy that I'm betting on those traits. I'm betting on that skill. And I'm betting on him being a guy that can help cover. If you're going to go with Garland and Sexton, you're going to go with this. He's a guy that if you can get him and coax him into a successful offensive position, that's the case. I also just don't care like about like national media stuff, about like what matters and stuff. I I just like not even Zach Lowe, my my one of my favorite Twitter follows. Just a just quick flex and I'll throw one real quick. Yeah, yeah, it, people can't see, but I'm flipping you off. Um, he did. He did mention Jason Preston on a pod he did with Arnovitz this week, though, which made, made that Jason life. Preston news bummed me out, man. I hope he recovers. Oh, and gets tr- back I, I had a, I had, I had a story ready to go, and uh, guess what? Not going now because he's hurt. Not very unfortunate. Um, I, I like, I, I think if you like interrogated Zach Lowe and were like, hey, let's talk about the Cavs for 20 minutes, he would probably bring up Okoro. I just also don't think some of that stuff matters because, like, some of the people that cover the league nationally, they're not, I mean, like, they're not watching the Cavs all the time. I think if you talk to people in the organization, like, they, I'm not saying Isaac, Isaac in the pecking order is below Garland, he's below Sexton, he's below Mobley, he might be below, he's probably below Allen, but I think he's, like, a 
core piece, and this is not no doubt an important year. The offensive stuff is a concern. There's just a lot of traits I personally am absolutely betting on with him. And I'm going to um, pull myself off the screen while I figure out what's going on here. Okay, sounds good. We're going full screen with Evan here, folks. Let's put up a fancy graphic and everything. Your favorite co-host of Locked On Cavs in the building right now, folks. Here I am. There's the name. TCC right there. Wow. Look, Mom, I made it. But I think I agree with Chris's pecking order for sure when it comes to the top five. Or I guess if you want to lump marketing in, marketing could be fifth or sixth, depending on how you feel about his offensive upside for this lineup. But... Um, I think the Cavs are really high on Isaac Okoro. I think J.B. Bickerstaff saying one of his greatest skills is defending without fouling. Then Isaac showed a propensity for fouling in the preseason was a kiss of death. But it's also the preseason. You can't really bake or make your takes too much out of this stuff either. It can get really murky really fast and really ugly really fast if uh, anyone does that. You should really, like Chris and I have been saying, like we want, I mean, I wrote, I know I wrote an Evan Mobley hype piece based on what I've seen in the preseason, but this is a lot of, I've been studying Evan Mobley film for a long time now. I've been studying it since high school, since he was in high school, not since I was in high school. So that was uh, 10 years ago. Um, it's just because you start to see these flashes and there's people who are concerned about his production in the summer league. And I'm like, no, you're actually seeing him now with actual high-end NBA talent. You're actually seeing him produce. Um, the same could be said for Isaac, too. And Chris Manning is back. I am done scrambling. Little, little, but- little, little, little lower res, but we're going we're gonna to vibe with it right now. Yeah, we vibing, we vibing, but I, I don't know, man. Like, I'm not too concerned about a Coro either. I think, like I was saying to the fine folks tuning in, all 22 of them. Wow, thanks everyone. Um, I'm not too concerned about Isaac's lack of offensive production. I think JB saying he could defend without fouling was kind of a kiss of death. But it's also the preseason. You can't really bake your takes too hard out of this stuff. There's certain individual things you can analyze with players and say like, okay, this pops, this could maybe be something that he carries into the regular season with them or, okay, maybe this is a little concerning. We should monitor this more closely because you you should really start caring when these games matter and you need maybe about 10, 15 games of tangible evidence and data before you can say, this is be something to be concerned about. I was just asking Chris because I'm sure Cavs fans are a little upset, and there's like that in the future power, power rankings. The Cavs are ranked dead last in that one, too. Uh, I think the market ranking's weird, especially if you want to lump in Oklahoma City there. Like, I know people are shitting on Orlando, but Orlando is primo golf weather. Um, other than that, and like you're in Florida, too. You're not like, yes, Florida itself is a hellhole. I personally wouldn't live there, but like property tax wise, not bad. Tax income tax wise, not bad. Um, you're not too far from the other destination cities as well, but maybe the Cavs just haven't done a lot themselves in these last several years since LeBron left to really say, okay, we're legitimate enterprise. We can function without the greatest player in our franchise's history and arguably of all time to kind of carry the load for us. And it's a wait and see thing. That's it's kind of the approach I've been having with a lot of this roster this year is okay. I need to see, I need to see more of it in the regular season before I can firmly say, Yes, this works. No, this does not work. I think that's a good place to leave it. I think this year's just going to be a discovery season. I mean, that's what last year was too. But again, being a solid here, you have to well, say. My my general take on this is yeah. Yeah, but my general take on this is ultimately just that like this is still just like a trend. Like this is like maybe there's more success. Um 
but it's still like a transition year. It is still like a year where the Cavs are going to be collecting data and figuring stuff out, like, and, and trying to decide what actually works. And again, like the decision makers may change, the coach may change, but like, I, I think a lot of this is ultimately just like still, uh, we're in a point of growth here. This is not like a, uh, everything has to work or bust kind of situation. You know what I mean? Like we're, we're not there with this group yet. I think that would be crazy if they treat it that way. No, I think that's a fair assessment. I think you're frozen again. So, why don't we hit? Right, pa- oh no, you're okay. You just, yeah. you're just the just the pixel this, itself this, is frozen. This, but what? yeah, this this little uh, this little change of webcam quality is honestly like uh, we're so gonna we're gonna take a let's quick let's, pause. let's let's take a quick timeout. Let's uh, we'll, we'll come back and taking your questions and all that fun stuff. Uh, we'll be back soon with more. Locked yeah. on Cavaliers, the only Cleveland Cavaliers podcast to have recorded voice of two verified hosts. 